everyone welcome to the 70th episode of snippets i am dr shivaranjani resident of shankar netralya chennai our topic for discussion is the when what and how in the intraocular lens implantation in children here we have dr sujata guha ma'am senior consultant department of pediatric ophthalmology and strabismus shankar netralya kolkata dr shruti agarwal ma'am associate consultant department of pediatric ophthalmology and strabismus shankar netralya kolkata to enlighten us about the topic over to you both ma'am hello everyone i'm dr shruti agarwal associate consultant department of pediatric ophthalmology and strabismus shankar netralya kolkata hi I'm Dr. Sujata Goha, Senior Consultant, Department of Pediatric Ophthalmology and Strabismus, Shankar Netralya, Kolkata. And we are here to discuss the when, what and how of intraocular lens implantation in children. Cataract is an important cause of childhood blindness. Pediatric eyes should not be treated as miniature adult eyes. It has a more elastic anterior capsule, lower scleral rigidity, increased epithelial mitotic activity, a more reactive anterior vitreous space, and thick vitreous gel. So cataract surgeries in children require more experienced surgeon and aesthetic support. There is a need for anterior vitrectomy, different IL considerations due to the changing refractive status, rehabilitation and follow-up for amblyopia, glaucoma and posterior capsular opacifications. So today we will discuss a few important considerations for IL implantations in children. We begin with the web. As we know, unilateral cataracts need to be operated early within 4 to 6 weeks and bilateral cataracts have a window of 6 to 8 weeks. Primary eye implantation is recommended only in infants more than 7 months of age as per the infant aphakia treatment study which concluded that it was better to leave them aphakic as there is an increased risk of visual axis opacification and glaucoma in the pseudophakic group compared to the aphakic group. Also, the biometry can be erroneous as the IL formulae are all based on adult data and there is an unpredictable myopic shift as the child grows further the IL itself causes inflammation requiring steroids post operatively and the immature angle is more susceptible to surgical trauma the IL under two study had similar conclusion of increased risk of glaucoma and visual axis opacification in the pseudophakic group however certain indian authors have reported primary IL implantations in infants less than 6 months of age to be reasonably safe in appropriately selected infants. So today we have Dr. Sujata Gua to answer a few of our important questions related to IL implantations in children. Ma'am, what is the youngest age of IL implantation by you? I will implant primary intraocular lens in infants more than 7 months where the axial length is more than 18 mm, corneal diameter more than 9.5 mm and We have a good anterior and posterior rexus where I can place the IUL in the back. I will not put an IUL in the sulcus for infants. Ma'am, what is the age at which you recommend a secondary IUL implantation? Theoretically, it is any time above two years of age if there is adequate sulcus support. But I would like to check the axial length, corneal diameter, evaluate the child for presence of glaucoma, and rule out any retinal attachment. before planning a secondary intraocular lens secondary iols can be implanted in the back after opening the lips of the anterior and posterior rexus however it is a rather challenging surgery thank you for this insight 
There is a general consensus that a single piece acrylic hydrophobic IOL in the back is the IOL type and site of choice because of good centration, minimum inflammation, flexible haptics with good memory, adapting easily to the smaller back. Ma'am, what is the IOL preferred by you? I also prefer to implant a single piece acrylic hydrophobic intraocular lens in the back. But if the anterior rexus martin has run off or it is not intact, I would implant a three-piece IOL in the sulcus with the optic capture. Moving on, the decisions about IOL power are equally challenging as all the formulae for IOL calculations are based on adult data. Further, one has to take into account the myopic shift and aim for residual hypermetropia such that it is not amyogenic and there is minimum refractive error in adulthood. Which formulae do you recommend and how much undercorrection do you consider while selecting the IOL power? I follow the SRKT and SRK2 formula. I am also using the Barrett's nowadays and find it to be rather promising. As for the undercorrection, I follow NED's rule of 7 in which the target refraction and the age of the child adds up to 7. The Hart's rule of 20% undercorrection from emetropic power in less than 2 years can cause a large hypermetropia in early infancy which can be rather amyogenic. But there are few other considerations to make when selecting the IOL power. For example, if the other eye is highly myopic, then I will not aim for hypermetropia. Or if there is a family history of high myopia, I may consider keeping a higher residual hypermetropia to balance the myopic drift which may occur in the future. Thank you for this practical tip. As we know, visual axis opacification occurs in 100% cases of pediatric cataract and it is important to do a large primary posterior capsulotomy with a good anterior vitrectomy. Up to what age do you do a PPC and anterior vitrectomy? I would do a PPC with anterior vitrectomy in children younger than 7 years. However, I may consider doing it in older children if they are special or will not cooperate for react capsulotomy or if they are likely to be lost to follow. I also do a large PPC of at least 5mm for a good fundus view in their adult life. This is a very important tip which we should remember in our practice. When do you do the PPC? After putting the IOL or before? I was trained to do a PPC and anterior vitrectomy first and then place the IOL. However, it is technically more challenging. It may be easier to do the PPC with a vitrector after putting the IOL through the limbal route. You can also do the posterior capsulotomy and anterior vitrectomy through the pars plana route with a 25 gauge cutter. Now coming to some special scenarios which require special considerations. Ma'am, what is your take on cataract surgery in silicon filled eyes? I would preferably wait for removal of silicon, uh, uh, silicon oil and then plan cataract surgery as a second sitting as the IOL power calculation is unreliable in a silicon oil filled eye. Absolutely. Ma'am, traumatic cataracts are also tricky to decide as to when to operate and when to put in a primary or a secondary IOL. How do you approach such a case? There are different scenarios in traumatic cataract. The first scenario may be with an intact anterior capsule and a quiet anterior chamber where there is a significant cataract in a young child, I would operate as soon as possible, place the lens in the back if it is stable. In the same clinical presentation, if we have a ruptured capsule with a quiet anterior chamber, I will place a three-piece lens in the sulcus with optic capture into the posterior axis.
In the third scenario, if there is a corneal tear with flocculent lens matter in the anterior chamber, then along with the tear repair, we have to do an aspiration of the lens matter and plan a secondary IOL later after we remove the corneal suture and the wound stabilizes, which would be roughly six to eight weeks after the wound repair. Thank you for making it elaborate yet concise. Moving on, how do you manage cataracts in persistent fetal vasculature? If the persistent fetal vasculature is posterior, then we cut the stalk after cauterizing it and proceed to place the intraocular lens in the sulcus or bag if it is available. However, with anterior PHPV, there could be a thick vascular membrane over the posterior capsule and IOL is best avoided. Now, how do you manage cataracts in anilidia? The anilidia intraocular lens are rather large, so the opening has to be very big. Nowadays, we use anilidia segment which is placed in the sulcus. We, however, do not have much data on however, how much inflammation these segments will induce in small children. The cataract is operated like the routine surgery with IOL placed in the back. Ma'am, we often come across cases of subluxated lens in children. How do you plan cataract surgery in such a case? In subluxated lens, as in Marfan's or idiopathic lens subluxation, we push for glasses if the visual equity is more than 6 by 24 and a cylindrical error is within acceptable range for spectacles. But if the visual acuity decreases or the cylindrical error increases, we need to operate. A capsule attention ring or a Sioni's ring can be used with scleral fixation, but with these rings, the rexes become small and it is also not possible to do a primary posterior capsulotomy. So opacification of the peripheral capsular margin limits the fundus view, which is important in Marfan's. So I prefer lensectomy and leaving the child a phakic if the child is less than 7. We can plan a scleral fixated intraocular lens along with the lensectomy in our older child. Ma'am, you've mentioned about the SFIOL that you use in aphakic children. Have you ever used posterior iris fixated IOLs? Iris fixated IOLs are promising, but there are reservations to its use as the pupil may not dilate fully and limit the fundus view later and they also may even dislocate at a later date. Now, what is your take on the use of multifocal toric IOLs in children? Multifocal IOLs require very precise measurements and biometric calculations. So does the toric intraocular lenses. Keeping in mind the changing refraction, under corrections, IOL power selections can be very tricky. Furthermore, they decrease the contrast sensitivity and quality of vision. So I would not put multifocal lenses in children. However, I will consider it for older children beyond 16 years of age. As for the toric lenses, the capsular back contraction in children is rather unpredictable and the lens might move in the post-operative period. So again, I will reserve putting intraocular, uh, toric intraocular lenses in smaller children. However, I might consider it for older children beyond 16 years if there is significant astigmatism. Speaking of the IOLs, how has your experience been with the PMMA lenses and the heparin surface modified IOLs for uveitis? PMMA lenses are good alternative considering the fact that they are less expensive than foldable lenses. They also have stable outcomes, however, 
they require a large incision and have a relatively higher risks of uh, post-operative inflammation. But in practices which cannot afford a single piece acrylic hydrophobic lenses, PMMAs are good alternative. As far as the heparin surface modified IOLs, well, we used to use it in UVIT eyes in the past, but now they have been replaced by single piece hydrophobic acrylic lenses. Ma'am, IOL implantations in patients with small corneas and small lenses is a challenge, with a normal sized IOL having a tendency to cause crowding of the angle and result in secondary angle closure when these IOLs are placed in the sulcus. Have you ever used custom-made IOLs for microphthalmos or bufthalmos? I have never used custom-made IOLs in these eyes. Firstly, I do not implant IOLs in very small microphthalmic eyes. And in bufthalmic eyes, I use a 6.5mm optic with overall 13mm diameter which are the average lenses and do an optic capture into the posterior rexus to stabilize the IOL. Ma'am, what is this concept of bag in the lens in pediatric cataracts as proposed by Dr. Tassigron? Bag in the lens concept results in decrease in visual axis opacification without the need of anterior vitrectomy in very small children. It is a 5mm optic lens with a circumferential groove running around it in which the edges of the anterior and posterior rexus is tucked inside preventing the lens epithelial cells from migrating out. The catch is the anterior and posterior rexus size has to be exactly 5mm and then the exact centered, um, uh, the anterior rexus has to be exactly centered over the posterior rexus in order to fit perfectly into the groove. This is technically very challenging and thus it has not become very popular. That was very simplified version of the bag in the lens concept. Now my final question will be, when will you not implant an IOL? The absolute contraindication would be microcornium, microphthalmos um, and anterior segment dysgenesis. The relative contraindications include rubella cataract, UVIT cataract, especially following JRAs where there has been very severe inflammation. Thank you ma'am for such an interactive uh, academic session. Could you please highlight a few takeaway messages? The final takeaway messages will be 1. Consider implanting IOLs only when age, axillant, corneal diameters are appropriate. Avoid implanting intraocular lenses in sulcus in infants. And always remember, a good aphakia is better than a bad pseudo-aphakia. Thank you for enlightening us about the topic. Stay tuned and follow us regularly on our social media platform for further episodes. Bye-bye.